25 through 35, we'd like to read responsibly this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 25, as our custom is, I will read the even or odd-numbered verses, beginning in verse 25. Would you please begin reading with me in verse 26, along with the five succeeding odd or even-numbered verses, beginning in verse 26. And in respect to the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. Luke chapter 2. Pardon the misprint in the bulletin. It's Luke 2, not 1. Luke 2, verses 25 through 35, and reading responsively. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, take this incredible revelation given to us by Simeon and speak to our hearts this morning as we deal with the first advent of your first coming and light and how it affects us in regards to your second coming. And we pray even now, Lord, we pray together, even so come, Lord Jesus. I pray you bless in the minutes around thy word we ask in the rest of this service, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good singing. Take your Bibles immediately and turn to Luke chapter 2. I have 132 verses, no joke. Well, it is a joke, I guess, because there's no way we're going to get through 132 verses. I'm referring to Luke chapter 1, it's 80 verses. Luke chapter 2 is 52 verses. We'll opt of the 132 verses for one text verse. It's going to be in chapter 2, and it's verse number 25 in just a moment here. But this is the second of a four-part series of messages in regards to the first and second coming of Christ, the first advent of Christ, and the second advent of Christ, yet to be. Last Sunday morning, we preached on the prophecies from concerning his first and second coming from Matthew chapter 1. We're on Luke chapter 1 this morning, and then we'll be in Luke chapter 2 next week, Lord willing, in detail, the first part of the chapter in regards to the preparations for his coming. And then, Lord willing, two weeks from now, we'll preach on the 23rd on the presentations of his coming. But we, our key word this, this morning is the word anticipation. There's a song I shouldn't reference this, but I'll reference it to you folks that are older as old as I am. I'm not sure of the name of the song. I think it was called Anticipation. I think that was the name of it. Some of you already got that tune and say, thank you, Pastor, for putting that tune in my head. But uh, 
anticipation, and, uh, and uh, it's making me something. I don't know what, but uh, it's anticipation. There can, it can be a good thing to anticipate. Uh, how many anticipate payday? Amen? If you anticipate payday. You anticipate, in fact, there's a restaurant named for anticipation on Friday, TGIF. Some people anticipate Saturday. Some people anticipate Sunday. Some people not here anticipate sleep day. There's all kinds of things that we can anticipate. And uh, I, for example, am anticipating, I'm anticipating, I'm anticipating, what am I anticipating? That's what I'm anticipating. I'm participating. Now, this is Grandpa just wanted to show off here. I'm participating on my angel. This was yesterday's, uh, and the play is, I don't know if it was last night or today, but I'm anticipating seeing my grandchildren and uh, uh, anticipation. And sometimes anticipation is a good thing. Sometimes anticipation is uh, we're disappointed, but there's anticipation. And I want you to see an old man. He was a very old man. His name is Simeon. And he was full of anticipation. But I want you to know his anticipation was a good thing. Our text verse, 132 verses to pick from. But this verse summarizes our thoughts this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse number 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. And here's the key phrase. I want you to underline it in your Bible if you'd like to underline. Waiting... For the consolation, or the comforter, or translation, every his theologian knows this to be that, that, that verbiage there in, in Judaism, that consolation of Israel was none other than speaking about the Messiah. Waiting for the Messiah, or we could say anticipating, he was an old man and he was anticipating the consolation of Israel, the, 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 the anticipation of the coming Messiah, and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost was a was upon him. I want to deal with very quickly and very rapidly, and I realized this early on this week as I was putting this message, started to put this message together, I wanted to spend several minutes on our first of three anticipators, but I realized, man, we need another four messages just to do this, so we're just going to have sound bites. I want to give you the first anticipator that this, these two famous chapters, Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Luke 1, and Luke 2, talk about. And they're all found in Luke 1 and 2, these four anticipators of the coming of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They spent their whole life anticipating this, looking forward to this event of the coming of the Messiah. The first one is none other than Zacharias. If you just glance at chapter 1, verse number 5, for time's sake, and from verses 5, chapter 1 of Luke, that is, to verse 25, and then verses 57 to 79, long chapter. We read the story of Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth. And they're of elderly age. They're like a New Testament version of Abraham and Sarah. We know that he's an old priest. And I wish we had time to dissect, but look at just verse 5. It says this of Luke 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was one of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And we fast forward, we, they're going to be the birth, the, 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 they're going to be the birth parents of one named, who, who did they birth? John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Their whole life was spent in working as a priest in the temple, and their whole anticipation was looking forward to the coming of the Christ child, but they are going to have the cousin 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, none other than John the Baptist, we summarize one verse of Zacharias in verse number 76 it is, of Luke chapter 1. I want you to notice it with me. The Bible says, And thou, child, now this is speaking about John the Baptist, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. You see, Zacharias was the first anticipator that we read about in this new covenant, this new testament as we call it, that looked forward his whole life to the coming of the Messiah. And he got to be the father of the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And his son later on would say, in John chapter 1, we have it recorded, Behold, you know it, the Lamb of God, which one? Taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist knew who Jesus was, the Christ was, and so did his father know who the Christ was. But we go secondly to the most famous anticipator of all anticipators found in the scripture, and that is back to Luke chapter 1, verse 30. For time's sake, we won't read from verse 30 to verse 47. It would take us too long. But just glance at verse 30, and of course I'm referring to a young person, a young girl, teenage girl probably, by the name of, we know her name is Mary. And I want you to notice Mary in verse 30, the second anticipator that we read about in this Luke chapter 1. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, this is Gabriel, the angel, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now, if you grew up Catholic, you realize that uh, it's called grace there. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace. You learned that little diddly, didn't you? And uh, Mary was the most blessed of all women. That's true. The word of God is very clear about this in this passage. We don't have time to dissect it in detail. But go to verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now every Christian, you need to know this. Jesus, you see, capital J, capital E, capital S, capital U, capital S. It's the name above every name. The name Jesus means, what's it mean? The two words, it means Yehoshua, or that's fancy for Greek language. The, the Old Testament transliteration for us English people would be Joshua, or Yehoshua. You don't pronounce the J in Hebrew, and same with many of the languages, Spanish included, and so forth. And you have Jesus, not Jesus, Jesus, or Yesu. We don't, have, we don't pronounce the J, but it means, the name Jesus means Jehovah, or we'd say Yahweh, or we say we say Jehovah. Jehovah saves. Jesus means what? Help me out. Jehovah saves. One more time. Jesus means what? Jehovah saves. Every Christian ought to know that. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And so this bearer, this anticipator, this young virgin girl of Israel, a pure girl, a holy girl, and of course more than just that, she was literally a virgin. The Bible says, verse 32, And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom and of his kingdom there shall be no end. She, this, this, this teenage girl, got to be the bearer of the Christ child. No wonder she's the most blessed of all women in, 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 in earthly history. But we go to verse 47. Or 37, excuse me. No, 46 it is. And look at Mary in her song of praise. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. I lift up the Lord. I magnify the Lord, the Christ. And my spirit hath rejoiced. Notice this. 
in God my Savior. Now Mary, we learned this last week, and I'll just reiterate and we'll move forward. Mary was the most godly, was a godly woman, no doubt about it. But there's a certain worldwide church, of course, that teaches that Mary was without sin. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mary herself said these words, I rejoice in God my Savior. Mary needed to be saved as well. And of course, she was going to, at a certain point in her life, she was, she was born again as well. She received Christ as her Savior. And it's an interesting study to study that. And uh, there's conjecture on when, when, when did Mary really receive Christ as Savior? Of course, she was impregnated by the Holy Ghost as John was uh, uh, from the womb, was conceived from the Holy Ghost, or rather was uh, 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 brought forth by the Holy Ghost as well. Well, we have this first anticipator, Zacharias, then the second, Mary, the third, really quickly, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. Another message, another time for these three anticipators, but just uh, we'll gloss over this just quickly here. Verse 35 of Luke 2. Mary and Joseph go to the temple, either on the eighth day or the fortieth day of the Lord Jesus Christ being born. That's another time for another subject, another day. But it was either one of those two days, either the eighth day or the day of circumcision or the day of dedication. And the Bible says in verse number 36 of Luke 2, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, and she had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. Now, if we read this superficially, we would say that, well, she was 84 years old. But if we, if we dissect and look at it a little bit more carefully and we're just a superficial reading, I believe she was probably 105 years old or so, that her, she was a betrothed, we would call it engaged, I'll just do this fast. It was not uncommon for Jewish girls to be betrothed to be married at 12 or 13 or 14 years of age. And she, was, she lived in her virginity for seven years, the Bible tells us. And evidently, her husband must have died probably at a young age, and she remained a widow all of her life. So in other words, she was, a, she was over a century old probably, 103, 104, 105 years old. At this time, she was in widowhood for 84 years. And why do I say that? I say that to, to let you know that for 100 years... Like Zacharias, we don't know how old he was, but maybe for a century, he waited for the anticipated, the coming of the Christ. Mary, for her first years, for her teenage years, and as a little girl, she waited for the coming of Christ, not knowing that she would be the Christ bearer herself. Here is this old lady, pardon the language, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but she waited for this coming of the Lord, and look at what she says as Mary and Joseph come to the temple. Verse 37. Uh, middle part of the verse, that uh, she didn't depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. So she, here she was all her life, she served God in the temple. And she came in that instant, and she, and she coming in that instant, immediately, in other words, she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, like Simeon did, and spake unto him to all them that looked for redemption Look at this, this key phrase here. That looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She knew that this child, this was the, this was the, the Christ bearer. This was a Christ child. This is the one that would give redemption to Israel. And she proclaimed that as well. That leads me to our fourth and the, the balance or body of our message. Or the, 
the main part of our message, I should say. We have the first anticipator, Zacharias, second, Mary, third, Anna. But then we look at these 11 verses of one named Simeon. And I want you to know, first of all, and I want you to consider his spiritual walk. Who was Simeon? Notice what it says in verse number 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now we have at least five Simeons recorded in the Bible, by the way. Three in the New Testament. Simeon was as common a name as Paul or Mark or John is today. It was a very common Jewish name. The name Simeon means uh, he who hears. Names have meaning, in, especially in the Hebrew language. Or a man of hearing. Now we're not positive about this, but almost positive. If you study and you Google or you, you get a, uh, a commentary on, on Luke 2 or a, a, a theological book, you'll find that most Bible scholars believe that Simeon was the son of one named Hillel. Now I know that name doesn't mean hardly anything to hardly anybody in this room maybe, but not knowing Hillel as a Jewish person would be like being growing up in America all your life and never hearing the name of George Washington. I mean, this guy was famous. Hillel was the president of the Sanhedrin for some 40 years. He was the main contributor to the, what we know of as the, the Talmud and the Mishnah. We believe, and scholars believe, very important, that this Simeon was this, this son of this, high, this, 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 this president of the Sanhedrin. Now, he's going to have a son. Simeon believes, or rather, most scholars believe that Simeon's son is none other than somebody named in Scripture, another famous teacher of the law, a man named Gamaliel. Remember him? And he comes some 30 years after the fact, 40 years after the fact, we read about Gamaliel, and the Apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, sat under his feet. And so this, this Simeon, it's important that you understand that he was he, was, he became president of the Sanhedrin as well. He was an Asian man, but it's interesting. There's a guy named Lightfoot. Dr. Gordon Lightfoot is his name. He's a famous theologian. I keep flipping these famous people that you probably never heard, but I'm just telling you, I promise you. Look it up. Google that. Lighthouse is one of the greatest uh, theologians in history, or is, uh, authorities on Israelite genealogy and lineage that there is to find. And much has been written about volumes have been written about Hillel. Much was written about Simeon and much was written about Gamaliel. They were very famous characters like Daniel Boone, like uh, Davy Crockett, like George Washington in American history. They were all well known. But there's an interesting gloss over, and this I have to do this quickly, but what I'm trying to tell you is after Simeon makes this proclamation, now this is conjecture from Dr. Lightfoot, that he is expunged from much of Judaistic history. Because, you see, he identified that poor mother and father, Joseph and Mary, their little boy from Nazareth, as the Christ. And he was, to, not trying to get political, but it was uh, kind of like the Donald Trump thing today, of course, where uh, the elitist and, and, and people on both sides of the political aisle, many of them hate them because he's not one of them. And when Shimei, according to Lighthood, or rather, excuse me, when Simeon, made this proclamation of this boy being the Christ child, he was, we're not talking about this guy anymore. Out of sight, out of mind. And uh, they quit talking about him. This, this was, but I want you to know, first of all, what do we know about his spiritual walk? First of all, he was of royal lineage. 
He had a royal lineage. And every Christian here, we have a royal lineage. We're a royal priesthood. Think about that. We've been adopted into his family. Simeon had a royal lineage. But then verse 25, and we'll dissect the verse now. Hang with me in this Bible study here for these next five minutes or so. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. He worked his whole life in the temple. whose name was Simeon. God hears. And the same man was just. This was, this was not a, this was not a, a proselyte, or rather a, um, a hireling. This man was just. He was righteous. Consider his righteousness for a moment. Every child of God, I want you to know that our righteousness is not found in our own works. It's found in his righteousness, in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. He's called just. He's called righteous. But then I want you to notice not only he's called just, but the Bible says the same man was just and devout. Consider his religiosity for a moment. Now let me just make a quick correction here just for something. We talk about religion in a negative context almost all the time. Us preachers and us Christians, we say we're not about religion, we're about a relationship, and that's true. But the Bible speaks about pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. James chapter 1 talks about pure religion. This man, a a pure religion is, is great to have. It's wonderful to have. And this man had pure religion. He had righteousness. He had a royal lineage. But then I want you to skip to verse 26. We'll come back to 25. It says in verse 26, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. If you know who Jesus Christ is, by the way, it was revealed to you by the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. That, And then in verse number 20. Five, it talks about the Holy Ghost was upon him. Later on, it talks again about a third time in verse 27 about the Spirit. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. He was led by the Spirit. He was, it was I want you to consider number four, his revelation. His word was revealed. Uh, three things, I got an ABC underneath that just for you folks who like to get the extra bonus points. Uh, he here he is, an old man. I want you to consider he's an old man like Anna was an old woman, pardon the language. He's an old man like Zacharias was an old man. And whole, their whole life, they're waiting for something. What are you waiting for? What are you anticipating? The whole life he's waiting for the, again ahead of myself, the consolation of Israel. But, and he knew the time was upon three things. He knew, first of all, that he realized the time. I knew, I believe he knew the scriptures very well. Remember the wise men last week? We talked about the wise men, we touched on them. That they knew, that they saw his star in the east. We'll preach a message on it two weeks from now. And they had one reference to go off of one verse in Numbers chapter 24. And they, they took that one verse and they said, we saw his star in the east, the one that the prophets recorded. There's no doubt that Simeon knew the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9 specifically. He knew of Daniel's 70th weeks. And if you, you, you get to verse 26, I think it is, or 25, maybe it is, I guess it is. Daniel 9, 25, it says, And Messiah shall be cut off in the 69th week. You do the math and you do from the building of the wall, the building, the restoration of the temple, I'm going back to Judaistic history. And you do the math the Messiah was to come in a few short years. He had to be born, obviously, and he'd be cut off on the, by the cross of Calvary, but not for himself. I'm getting over your head. Pardon me, many of you, no offense. So let me try to bring this down. 
a little bit. I know you're a smart and intelligent person, but a lot of background needs, material needs to be given. What I'm telling you is he realized the time because of the scriptures. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He believed the Bible, and so he knew the time. But he not only knew the time, but he knew the times, plural. He knew the times, in other words, Revelation 11 25, and I referenced it last week. Jesus came during the time of the Pax Romana, the, the peace of Rome. There's another phrase that's found in the Bible several times, the fullness of the Gentiles, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come, Romans 11.25. Rome, Gentiles they were, they ruled the world. And, and Jerusalem was under subjugation to the Romans. And the fullness of Gentiles was full-blown. He knew the time. He knew the time that the Daniel's prophecy. He knew the word of God. He knew the times. He knew that... Uh, that there was the time of the fullness of the Gentiles, but then he knew his time. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, it's in the text, back to the text, verse number 20, uh, 25, it is, uh, or 26, rather. Notice what it says again, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. If you're understanding me, and sometimes, by the way, I know it's hard to understand me, I, I, that's, that's, but... Uh, I want you to know that you understand what I'm saying by the Holy Spirit of God, by knowing the Word of God and having the Holy Spirit in you. That he should, but here's what he understood. It was revealed by the Holy Spirit of God that he should not see death till or until or before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he knew his time. I'm asking you a question. Do you know your time? Do you understand that there's a point on a man who wants to die, but after this, a judgment. We all have a time. There's a time. There's a season. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's time for everything, a time to be born and a time to die. Somebody was saying the other day, in fact, Brother Jim had devotions yesterday. Brother Jim, I can't get that phrase out that you said at the end of the, it was really good. But, uh, you know, Tim was talking about somebody dying. And, uh, and I'm paraphrasing what... Brother Jim said, he says, well, that, that, you know, pretty much, that always happens to every one of us eventually. And it was, he said it in a different way than I just said it now, but guess what? You're going to die. I'm going to die. Our time has come. And Simeon had the prophecy that his time would not come until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so we have this revelation. And what was the revelation? We see his, number four, we see his revelation. But number five, we see his waiting. And he uses the very word, verse 25, in the same man was just and devout, waiting or anticipating, we could say, for the consolation or the comforter of Israel or the Messiah. He was waiting for the Messiah. What are you waiting for, your grandkids? What are you waiting for, payday? What are you waiting for? Uh, the next vacation time that you have? What are you waiting for? I, I mean, I, I look forward to sleeping, you know, amen? I look, I look forward to eating. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Not in a bad way that I look forward to. I anticipate. But what are you anticipating? This, this, this man was waiting for the coming of the, the consolation of Israel. So that we see his spiritual walk. But notice verses 28 through 30 quickly. His spiritual wealth. He had a spiritual walk, so therefore he had a spiritual wealth, and it was threefold. First of all, we see verse 28, notice what it says. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God 
and said, he took the baby by, now I had to, we don't have reference to this, but many churches, modern day, in the last number of hundreds of years, we have baby dedications, don't we? Some of you were christened, some of you were, were baptized when you were baby, the priest or preacher or whoever held you up or, and put some water in, on your head or sprinkled some water on your head. Now here's an interesting, something that we know about. These babies, these priests, they, were, they had a ceremonial cleansing. And this baby, we don't know if it was the eighth day or 40th day, that's another time, another message. I don't know what you want it is myself, to be honest with you. I've studied and I'm confused. It was either the eighth day of the circumcision or the 40th day of purification. But he took this baby, and maybe this was the first time that he did this, and this is conjecture on my part, admittedly, but he took that baby and he held it up for the first time. Somebody's uncleansed baby. And he recognized who he was. And he, he, it was his personal acceptance of Jesus. Now, let me give you one parallel. You see, there are millions upon millions of people on planet Earth that one day they were, they were held up by a priest or a preacher and they got water sprinkled on them. Or maybe they were immersed, what have you. And later on they were catechized. And later on they were confirmed, and they have brought the false notion that they are a Christian because they had some religious rites, rituals uh, performed on them. No, no, Simeon acknowledged, he, he accepted Jesus, he accepted this babe as a special, uh, a babe born and like no other child was born, and he was of the Christ. He was waiting for the consolation or the Messiah of Israel. And he, there must be a time of personal acceptance in your life. Jesus said this way, you must be what? Born again. And so we see his personal acceptance of Christ in his spiritual wealth. But secondly, we see in verse 29, his peaceful abiding in Jesus. Verse 29 says, Then uh, the Lord, now lettest thou my, thy servant abide in peace. According to thy word, there's a peace, a peaceful abiding in Jesus Christ. There's a peace that the world cannot know, a peace it does not have. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And they, he accepted the peace of God. Shiloh, Shiloh had come, the peace, uh, the, the peace of God had come, and he accepted him. Now, I like the bumper sticker, and sometimes it's on a uh, sign, but no Jesus, N-O, no peace. No Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. There is no peace without Jesus. Jesus is peace. And he's the peace of, uh, the peace of God. He's the prince of peace. And so he, we see his peaceful abiding in Jesus. We get to verse number 30 and notice his public acknowledgement of Jesus. He said in verse 34, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. The, his public acknowledgement of Jesus. You see, Jesus is salvation. Jesus is Christianity. No Jesus, no salvation. We have heard the joyful sound again, Jesus saves. Peter would later on go say some 40 years later after this fact, or 33 years later, I should say, he would say, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so there must come a time and place in your life where you publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ. For with the heart man believeth on the right Jesus, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
This Simeon had a spiritual walk which led to a spiritual wealth. He accepted Jesus. He had a personal acceptance of Jesus. He had a peaceful abiding in Jesus. He was ready to die. He had a public acknowledgement of Jesus. Now is the, this is the day of now salvation come. But it leads us verse 31 to 35, and we're, I'm hurrying, I guess, for the next few minutes here, a couple minutes here, because I want to get to the, move forward here. His, notice thirdly, his spiritual wisdom. He understood two things. He understood, first of all, verses 31 to 33, he understood the secret. I got four little, uh, I got little, I got M's going. He understood the, that, that Christ came for the multitudes. He was light of the magnitudes. He's marvelous in our eyes. And he's the mystery of all mysteries, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just get uh, fast forward here just for tonight's, I got seven minutes, that's why I'm giving myself an allotted seven minutes of time. I'm letting you in on a little secret. I, I, I close things up with a devotional, as most of you know, and we're going to talk about Jesus for seven minutes. That's all I get, or that's all I'm, my self-imposed amount of time. I'm going to talk about the gift that's greater than any gift in all of humanity. But thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. We can spend a whole lifetime talking about this gift, and some people never get it. They never understand I got seven minutes to try to penetrate the heart, but my words are vain unless the Holy Spirit of God energizes and speaks to the heart of the, those that are lost. And it's a mystery. I'm going to preach for seven minutes, and some of you are going to say, the whole time you're going to secretly say in your heart, amen, preacher, amen, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. And other people are going to be sitting here, shh, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I think I, I think. Uh, uh, I'm probably, sadly, more right than wrong. They're going to sit here and say, well, that's nice. Isn't that cute? That's wonderful. I think he might even believe what he says. Uh, Jesus is a good man, and uh, I think it might be a good thing if I receive him, I suppose, but not today, maybe tomorrow. It's a mystery. It's, um, he comes with his majesty. He comes marvelously. He comes for the multitudes. He comes for, for the... Uh, with the great magnitude for all ethnicities, by the way. And I'm just paraphrasing the whole passage of Scripture, verses 31 to 30, 33. But he, he, understood this, he understood the secret. If you understand who Jesus Christ is, it's a, it's a, in one way, it's a sacred mystery. God's revealed it to you, not by flesh, not by power, but by the, by the Spirit of God. God's revealed his truth to you. But he understood, Simeon understood the, 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 the secret, but he understood, secondly, the sword. Remember what Hebrews 4, verses 34 and 35, by the way, are verses. We find the word sword right there in verse 35. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the Bible says, But the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged what? Sword. The word of God's a sword. It can be a surgeon's scalpel for some and a sword of death for others. But it's a sword. And for some, Jesus would be, in verse 34, notice what he says. And Simeon blessed them, that's Mary and Joseph, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall, I can skip forward to, of many in Israel. To some, Jesus would be a stumbling block. The word of God declares that. Several passages of scriptures, First Peter chapter 2, verse 8. He's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
again, I get to preach to a friendly audience. Every once in a while, we might have one or two or three people, and that's really seldom. Because people that don't love Jesus usually don't love church. They don't bother coming here and preaching the word of God. They don't want to know. So I don't, don't think I'm making anybody mad this morning. I don't think this is, you're choking or stumbling on the fact that Jesus is the, the rock of our salvation. But to some people, he's the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Why doesn't Judaism, why do they talk about so much about Hillel? Why do they talk so much about the grandson of Hillel, Gamaliel? And there's much written about him and hardly nothing written about Simeon. I'll tell you why. Because one day Simeon made Jesus Christ. He made the, that little boy from Nazareth. He said, he's the Christ. And they said, we can't have anything to do with this guy any longer. President of the Assembly or Sanhedrin or not, we're, 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 we're going to put him aside. He's a stumbling, Jesus is a stumbling block to many. But the Bible says, verse 34, he's for the, for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Notice for some, he's a savior. He came unto his own, John 1.11, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. So for Jesus, some, for some, Jesus would be a stumbling block. For others, he'd be a savior. But for a third group, and this is, this is interesting, verse 35, he gave a prophecy to Mary. I mean, this is to be a day of rejoicing. Her child is being dedicated in one way or another at the temple. It's a time of celebration. And he gave this prophetic prophecy knowing what Mary would go through 30-some years later, 33 years later. He said these words, this man that was, had, this truth had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit of God. And Simeon, or verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. None of us can imagine what Mary once went through on the, at Calvary's cross at Golgotha when she saw her son dying for the sins of the world and for her sins. She'd be there later on and she'd see the resurrected Savior, her Savior. But a soul shall pierce through thy soul also, and that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The Lord Jesus, for some, is a stumbling block. To others, he's a Savior, but to all, he's a searchlight, searching the inward parts of man. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 9, write this verse down if you don't know it, but he is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. There's light and so that men are without excuse. The whole world is lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. And it must be received in your heart. Not with your human understanding, or the human mind, although we received it in our heart, our mind as well, of course, but it begins in the heart. Lord, you're right. You are the Savior. Search my heart, search me and try me. Know my ways. I know I'm a sinner. I know you're the Savior. That leads me to, and I'm, I'm going to, on purpose, I, I, I could spend another 15 minutes. I'm going to try to do it in just a few short moments here. Consider with me four things about the anticipators of Christ's second coming. First of all, understand this. That just like I'm wishing for my payday to come or my, my sleep day to come or my grandkids to come or what have you, or what have you, uh, I'm also an anticipator, and those that are anticipators of Christ's second coming, they are wishers. We, we pray and we say, as Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible, even so come, Lord Jesus. How many want the Lord Jesus to come, to, to come, come in your lifetime to say amen? Do you want to die? 
I'd rather have Jesus come and take me in rapture. <laughs> I'd rather have him come, you know, in my hour of need. You say, but preacher, I'm anticipating, I want something to happen. Some young couple, they want to get married before the Lord comes back. They're anticipating marriage and not the marriage show of the Lamb. Uh, anticipating uh, my vacation. Lord, wait till after I go to, you fill in the blank where your vacation spot is, and then come back. No. We are wishers four times in Revelation 22, the last chapter. The Bible says, even so, come, Lord Jesus, wishing for that day. They're anticipators of Christ's second coming, they're watchers. Matthew 24, 42, watch therefore, Jesus said, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. There are many Christians that are not watching today. They quit watching they're, 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 they got an educated gamble going on that the Lord's not going to come back today or tomorrow or next week or next year. And so they're, they're at ease in Zion. They're doing their own thing. But Revelation 16 says, Behold, Jesus said, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Let me tell you, that verse teaches us, and there's several other verses that teach us this truth. We do not lose, we cannot lose our salvation, Christians, but we can lose our rewards. And we'll know, according to Malachi chapter 4, who are those who serve God and who are those who will not serve God. We'll know that for all eternity. Now, there won't be jealousy and envy in heaven, but we'll know. The Bible says that every man that has his hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. They're the anticipators of Christ's second coming. They're wishers, wishing to come today. They're watchers. Number third, they're waiting First, first, John, or first Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom, raised, uh, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Uh, just not picking on you French folks here right now, but uh, France has been having some problems. You notice that uh, they've been having some wrath over in their country the last week or two. They had some wrath a couple hundred years ago. It's called the French Revolution. It took off 40,000 plus heads, literally. They've had their revolutions, they've had their riots, they've had wrath in their streets. But this wrath that the Bible speaks about, that Jesus speaks about, is going to make the wrath of today's events or last week's events in France look like kid stuff, play day. But we're not children of darkness that, this, that they should overtake us as a thief, the Bible tells us. We're waiting for that coming of the Lord. But then I want you to know those that wish, the wishers and the watchers, not the wishy-washers, but the wishers and the watchers, and the waiting, those waiting. One day, Paul, before he was ready, he knew any day that executioner was going to come in that Roman prison. And he'd lay that head down, uh, his head down on a chopping block, and that executioner would take that axe. I hate to be graphic, but it's true. Take that axe, and he'd raise it up, and when we had the helmet of his on, he would take that he- and bring that, he- that, that axe down, and off would go Paul's head. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He was an anticipator. That the Lord shall give unto me, not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I want you to know that the anticipators that are wishing for Christ to come back today, that are watching for his soon return, that are patiently waiting week in and week out, and maybe they have to, we have to live a long life, 
like Simeon or Anna or, like, or Zacharias, I want you to know that those wishers, watchers, and waiting people, waiters, if I call it waiters, didn't want to put waiters in there. And uh, they will be winners. One day we will shine as the brightness of the stars forever. And we will shine as Daniel chapter 3, as stars forever and ever. The anticipators of his second coming. Three anticipators of his first coming before Simeon and uh, with Anna. And I'm an anticipator of his second coming. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, until then, our hearts will go on singing. Pray you bless in our invitation this morning. Lord, uh, speak to hearts. And Lord, again, I pray just a prayer blessing on tonight's service we ask. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 26 it is. On purpose, we want to hurry along here. Page tw- oh, 28 it is.